Good morning. Today is Tuesday, February 14, 2023. Yesterday we discussed the famous and misunderstood verse, Ayin Tachas Ayin, an eye for an eye. This rule in our Torah portion, Mishpatim, that if one person commits an assault against another and injures another, the injury that was done to the other person, that injury should be done to them. That's what the Torah says. The oral law, the, the uh, Torah Shaval Peh that Hashem gave to Moshe at the same time as the written law, says no, it's not a physical punishment, it's a monetary punishment. You have to uh, compensate the person for the expenses and for the damage that you caused. Now, we asked the question yesterday, so why should it be two different lessons in two different places? And yesterday we suggested an approach that's based on personal morality, healing the aggressor in addition to healing the victim. Today I want to take a wider view. Why does a legal system present a law in such a way? Why is it written one way with an oral explanation of another way? Why not write both of the lessons together in the written law. Especially since we insist that both of these ideas, that it's written, ayin tachas ayin, an eye for an eye, and God explains to Moshe it means a monetary punishment, that both of those are contemporaneous and they come directly from God. Why is it done in this manner? I have the privilege to teach Jewish law at McGill University Faculty of Law, as well as other places. And I want to share with you a brief lesson that I always include in my course on Talmudic law. So the question is, if God wants the punishment of the monetary punishment, why write it down to say, take out the person's eye? There are a number of answers to this question. I want to share with you one of them, which is the Sipurno. The Sipurno says, if you take out someone's eye, by all rights, your eye should be taken out. That is what justice requires, to do to you what you did to the person. But it would make us cruel to do it to you. It would make us inured to, or even, God forbid, to get pleasure from someone else's suffering. The agents of a human court should not be doing things like this, like putting people's eyes out or cutting off people's hands, God forbid. We are not, we as human beings, are not capable of imposing that punishment without being affected ourselves. So the Torah teaches us, by writing one way and explaining what it means another way, the Torah teaches us by the gap between the two that whenever we judge, we must watch out for what it makes us become. Because law is not only about what we do to a perpetrator, to a criminal, It's not only about what is right and wrong and what's the punishment for doing what is wrong. 
Law is also about values of society. What kind of a person do I need to be? And that includes not only the perpetrator and not only the victim, but the one who is practicing the law, the one who is imposing the judgment. What does it do to me? What feelings should we or should we not have? What in society should we value? What should we prioritize in society? Now, rules and consequences of rules are more easily written down because they're concrete, but values are often not written down. Values are less concrete, less detailed, but they are just as much a part of law as the rules and punishments that are written. And this is true, by the way, of every single legal system. Every single legal system has laws that are intended to teach us what to do and what not to do and what the consequences are, and also to teach us what are the values of our society. For example, tax law. The tax code is where we as a society express our values and our priorities. For example, here in Quebec, we pay higher taxes. In Canada, we pay higher taxes for universal health care and for maternity leave and for child benefit. That is what we in Canada, we in Quebec, as a society, hold as a priority. So it's not only, the tax code is not only saying you have to pay this much, but it is also saying we as a society think that these activities are important and should be supported and should be subsidized and made more widely available through the efforts of how we impose the tax code. I'll give you another example in a different area of law. Privileged conversations. Most modern legal systems, certainly Jewish law, has privileged conversations. There is a clergy privilege. That means that if a person comes to a member of the clergy and confesses a crime, that conversation is confidential. And the clergy person cannot be expected to share that. Even if it means that without the testimony of the clergy, that person will not be convicted for a crime that they did. And that privilege is extended not only to clergy, but to attorneys. Attorney-client privilege. Whatever is said between an attorney and a client is privileged. It's confidential. A court cannot force an attorney to say what was said in private. Because we believe that society is better off if people can speak freely and openly to a rabbi, to a doctor, a medical privilege, to a lawyer. And that is more important, that a person should be able to speak openly and freely and not fear that their words are going to be used elsewhere. That is more important than having access to the truth all the time. We as a society agree to that. 
that there are certain conversations that it's better for society that it remains private, even if it means, in certain cases, justice will not be achieved. Those are values, as much a part of law as the rules and the penalties. And this dual nature of law applies not only to every legal system, it also applies to every mitzvah in the Torah. Just to take one example, we have the mitzvah to observe Shabbos, to keep Shabbat. So within the laws of Shabbat, there are rules of what to do, rules of what not to do, and those rules are concrete. They're written down. There are books that you can consult. But there are also values, the spirit of Shabbos. There are certain activities that may not violate any specific concrete rule, but still be prohibited as they violate the spirit of Shabbos. For example, how we dress, the foods that we eat, are they special and designated for Shabbos? How do we spend our free time on Shabbos? A person could be walking down the street on Shabbos, observing completely, and they happen to walk along a street with some stores, and in the window of a store, they're selling televisions, and the televisions are on, and there's a game on. Can I stop in the street and just watch the game for a few minutes? I'm not doing anything. I didn't turn it on. It's not my TV. I didn't ask anybody to turn on. I'm just walking down the street. The only thing I'm doing is stopping. I can't point to a line in a paragraph in a book that says that is prohibited on Shabbos. But if it is something that impacts on the spirit of Shabbos, is that something that elevates the holiness of the day? I don't think so. And if not, if it does not elevate, but rather takes away from the holiness of the day, then that activity should not be done, and that is still a part of the laws of Shabbos, not a part of the concrete rules, but part of the value of what the atmosphere on Shabbos should be, what the attitude, the surroundings on Shabbos should be. In this particular example about Shabbos, this is clearly indicated in the Torah where we have two separate rules concerning Shabbos expressed in the Aseris Adibros, the Ten Commandments, but two different versions, as we discussed before, one in Shemos we read last week, and the other in Dvarim that we're going to read later this summer. One Pasuk says, Zachar as Yom HaShabbos Lekadcho, remember the Shabbos day to keep it holy. And the other says, Shomar as Yom HaShabbos Lekadcho, guard, protect the Shabbos day to keep it holy. Shomar, to protect the Shabbos day, means protect against violating the rules. Do what you're supposed to do. Don't do any of the activities that you're not supposed to do. That's Shamar. Zachar, remember the Shabbos day, means at every moment of Shabbos, remember that it's Shabbos. Remember that this is holy. 
remember that the attitude, that the atmosphere should be conducive to the holiness of Shabbos. That's not limited to the rules of you should and you should not. That goes far beyond that to the values of Shabbos. What Shabbos is supposed to mean to me, what I'm supposed to feel, what it is supposed to do for me as I experience it. Ayin tachas ayin, an eye for an eye, is a dramatic example where the written law and the oral law, both coming from God, are contradictory. But the purpose is to show us the rule, what happens if someone violates this, and the value. Not only the value applying to the perpetrator or to the victim, but also the value to society. And this double aspect of law applies to every mitzvah. And what we must do, what we must not do, what happens if I violate it, that's one aspect of studying every mitzvah. But for every mitzvah, I also need to understand, I need to study, what kind of a person is this law supposed to make me become? What do I derive from it in terms of my outlook on life? And as we learn every law and every mitzvah, we should seek to understand both of these components. That's why ayin tachas ayin, this rule is written one way and it is explained another way in order to show us this dual nature that every law has. My friends, I want to wish you a great day, and I look forward to seeing you soon in person.